Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And we welcome you inside a Monday edition of the Hoop Ball, or I should say, Sports Ethos, as we've just done some rebranding here. So it's the Sports Ethos. Sacramento Kings podcast. I got to get used to saying that I, my brain is so wired in this introduction. But the sex part I do have memorized. I'm Sam Comenti alongside the incomparable and all-knowing Jill Agile. Never mess that up. And uh, it's, it's finally happened, Jill. We're, we are free at last. Luke Walton is gone. He's been fired, as we all know by this point. And uh, we are here today to rejoice and also be a little depressing, I guess. Yes, it. It the, even got to that. We point. all knew it, that. Right. The inevitable happened I mean, when. Yeah, it's like we tried we, to find positives, obviously, last year when it happened, because we're always hoping, you know, some they can figure it out. But um, we were pretty clear in some of our coaching options and upgrade possibilities out there um, that they right. didn't take. And my biggest thing was I said, like. I'd be pissed if we didn't do it now. And then halfway through the season, did it knowing we didn't that even it's get halfway. kind of that lost season. And it was 17 games. I know <laughs> they did it now. Cause we're hoping not to lose the season, right. but it still feels like a lost season to me until they prove otherwise. It like, is, yeah. I mean, that's just the way it is. Yeah. So Walton, nothing changed, right? Like if you were no. using the money excuses, anything like nothing changed, nothing changed. We, we learned the exact same team. <laughs> we learned what we had already had learned last year. So Walton though, Exits, I think it was with, I don't remember the exact record, but it was 68 wins, um, I think was the, the win margin, 90-something losses. Crazy <laughs> second enough. Highest, second highest. Second highest in, exactly in history, but, but that's also second how highest. bad things have been here, you know, right. as a whole. So it really <laughs> doesn't prove anything. No, no, I know. To... If you want to show someone who doesn't really follow the Kings, um, which I envy anyone that doesn't, if you want to show them how miserable it is to be a Kings fan, you have two stats you can, sh- you can tell them. The playoff drought, of course, the longest in the NBA. And then that right there, that the coach we just fired is actually technically the second most winning head coach in Sacramento Kings history. And he was almost 30 games under 500 in two and a half years at the helm. It's a joke. The team is currently and has been, I guess, for quite some time, a joke. Alvin Gentry's job now is to come in and try to make them not as hilariously bad. Tonight, they play the Sixers. We'll touch on that game in a second. But Jill... How do you feel about Gentry stepping in? Do you do you feel anything different or is it just meh? Honestly, it's yeah, it's a meh. Like I, I said this yesterday, I wish him the best because I want anyone to succeed here because that means the Kings are succeeding. Um, but I'm not convinced things will totally figure itself out. Like I can I can think Luke had his deficiencies but I also know that these players have deficiencies as well. And so I'm not totally convinced that, you know, a light bulb will switch if it does. Hallelujah. Um, and I will gladly take that, but, uh, I'm actually more happy for honestly, Rico Hines being right. Being that was my next. Up. Um, just because like, I know we'll put that thing out there about how, you know, he got bumped and 
um, you know, he was hired by Luke or whatever. He predated Luke with the Kings organization. Um, he was here through the Dave Yeager years and he's been here now. He was just with the Stockton Kings, but they brought him in in 2016, um, as an assistant coach with Stockton, uh, and then promoted him to player development and assistant coach, and then promoted him again to the head of player development and then an assistant coach on the bench. Um, and so there were, there's a couple of the coaching staff that, that have, you know, moved up by, by playing that role. And so, um, I'm excited for him. And then if you looked at his Instagram yesterday, like a bunch of people were excited for him and he's like, he's the one where he has the relationship with players here and then players elsewhere. And those are very valuable (laughs) for, for a team that doesn't have a lot of selling points. Having a guy like that on your bench, um, is huge and his energy is, is, is big and just really well-respected. So I just like seeing, you know, um, he's earned good guys, you know, succeed and get, and get what they earn as well. And so, uh, there was a lot of ex Kings people saying it was about time. So that was, yeah, exactly. Um, that was nice. So, but you know what? I mean, Gentry's been waiting for his, his second chance. And so, um, or sixth chance technically, well, yeah, I mean, like <laughs> yeah. since, you know, the the, this last, yeah. After like, I, I never really saw him have that kind of reaction though. Like the way he left other organizations to how, he left this one. So I would say like the second chance, maybe to prove like Griffin, <laughs> I would right. say like in that Which sense, we were talking about um, before we came on yeah. the for people that haven't kept up on it or didn't pay much attention to what happened there with new Orleans Gentry got one year when David Griffin, the former general manager of the Cavaliers came in, they drafted Zion. Zion obviously didn't play a whole lot. Still hasn't played this year, but didn't play a lot his rookie year uh, with Gentry and the team missed out on the playoffs. So Griffin moves on, gets his own guy had said some shit through some shade at Gentry as uh, I think it was after he had been, I would hope it was after he had been let go saying along the lines, I gave Gentry all the answers to the test and he still failed. And so Gentry recently when seeing David Griffin, when the Kings played the Pelicans in Sacramento, was it in Sacramento or was it in new Orleans? It was Actually, in my, Sacramento. It was in Sacramento. It was in Sacramento. Okay. Okay. So Griffin was and traveling then, with the and team. Then, oh yeah. And then say this and then I'll say what happened with Griffin after that. Yeah. yeah no, finish, so, finish your story. No. Yeah. yeah. David Griffin apparently wanted to, say hi to Alvin Gentry or something. Try to be, yes, try to be nice was. to the guy. He was trying to be nice. Yeah. And Gentry <laughs> was not having any of it. And in, res- in response to Griffin, who was, I think, opened up by trying to explain everything and that, you know, his words, he didn't mean them in whatever way they were intended or they were interpreted, which I think they're pretty clear with what he meant. Uh, but Alvin Gentry, I guess, responded supposedly by saying, did you not give Sam Van Gundy the answers to the test either? Because he failed. Or you have the exact quote in front of you, but he threw shade back to Griffin it was you must not have given Stan you must have the not answers given to the Stan test the either because Stan Van Gundy who came in in place of Gentry won one more game one more game than yeah. uh than Gentry did and that was with more Zion because I'm pretty sure Zion played more last year than he did in his rookie season so it, yeah. it's been a disaster in New Orleans obviously and, that's and then why in this David position. Griffin left did not finish the road trip with the team <laughs> he went back Probably to New for Orleans the best. after that um after that all came out but you see I think they still have only won one or like two two games they, they had um, to actually put back, to I back say. together I think they have four um, wins now. okay they have, they have so they, they have a couple um, Willie Green I pray but for Willie. at that time it was it, I think they were only at one or two wins and so yes, yes, um yes. But you know what? Willie Green got thrown into the same situation. He even had more mix of, you know, like they lost Lonzo and some other ones, and then they still don't have Zion. And I haven't heard any kind of 
roundtable for that, but they're kind of in that same situation. It's you can keep changing, you know, coaches, but at some point you have to realize um, those guys aren't working together either. No, and David Griffin, it's it's a fascinating case. It reminds me a lot because uh, I like to make you know a lot of connections to football. That's truthfully my favorite sport, the sport I followed the most and played it. Um, general manager for the Browns and then previously the Chiefs, John Dorsey, often considered one of the most brilliant executives in the NFL, but he's been fired in his last two jobs with the Browns and with the Chiefs because he created this toxic workplace environment. He drafted exceptionally yeah. well. Ty- Tyreek yeah. Hill was drafted by him. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, um, he was a big advocate for people didn't like the way he acted right. because he was a douchebag. And that's what David Griffin is in this mm-hmm. situation. He's drafted he, and traded well, but oh, yeah, just, he's an exceptional not, yeah, eye for it's talent. It's not he working. <laughs> clearly does. And the Pelicans have talent on, but the it team. just goes to show, right? Like it just you gotta doesn't be a work sometimes person. and yeah. it just doesn't work sometimes. Right. Yeah. Like, no, I mean, yeah, it just doesn't. And, and he's, he's I mean, we're all out. too well aware of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, Griffin's a great mind, but he's, he, he seems like he's fast, uh, approaching another dismissal in new Orleans. But that uh, that point in saying that about Gentry was just that he's got some attitude and he's mm-hmm. he's been around the block. He wants it. Times. Yeah. He's 67 years old. He's been a head coach five different times. He has been an interim twice before. And this was the little fact I wanted to throw out that I know you probably were already aware of. The last time he was given an interim tag, Jill, was in the 2008-2009 season with the Phoenix Suns. They were, I think, mm-hmm. five games over 500. Not bad, but they were below their expectations for that year with Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire. I was going to say that team had some they were great talent. Yeah. So they fired their poor, uh, their coach, Terry Porter. And then Alvin Gentry became the interim. They finished strong. They missed the playoffs, but they won like 45 games at the end of it. So Steve Kerr, ironically, who Luke Walton started his coaching career with Steve Kerr was a general manager for the Phoenix Suns at the time, gave Gentry the permanent job. And then in 2019, mm-hmm. he answered by taking him to the Western conference finals just, yep. where they lost to Kobe and the Lakers. But uh, and then, time, and then, and then, when Kerr became coach of the Warriors, uh, Gentry went over and yeah. joined him on the bench. It's like we can't um, avoid Steve Kerr. Yeah. We just everything in the Kings <laughs> coaching connects back to Steve Kerr and the Warriors. Um, yeah, and and he's kind of a, a disciple of uh, Mike D'Antoni's uh, system as well. So if people Space like that, shoot. that's um, which you know kind of fits well with Monty too. At least yep. his history, I would say. Yes, and what he says publicly. Uh, so yeah, we'll see. I mean, you might get back to kind of that last year of what we saw with Jaeger. Maybe, maybe not. I just, I mean, if you listen to Fox, he says he doesn't think anything's going to change. So, I mean, you know, I think he's just downplaying it. I didn't like that interview either. I'm just like, everyone's kind of annoyed with Um, in front of the press right now. I mean, it's just, it's, it is what it is, but it's just, it's annoying to me that it's like, why, why should I just keep going? Why should I care? <laughs> like, yeah. why? why am I, I more mean, invested? Why am I more invested in this than you seem to be? I mean, uh, it's just, yeah. And, and I understand he also has respect for the previous coach and stuff, but that's what I'm I mean, saying, yeah. you have your job is to now move on. And we've seen these guys not react well to change before. And that was just in losing role players. So, um, We've seen how they reacted getting rid of a coach they didn't like. And now we'll see how they react getting rid of a coach they did like, but didn't get the production. So this is going to be a very active bench. That's one thing I can say with confidence. We don't know how they're going to play tonight, but Gentry is definitely a more vocal guy than Luke Walton. We already knew Doug Christie mm-hmm. brought the energy. Mike Longabardi had been 
getting more and more active as the defense had, you know, been struggling. The team had been struggling. It's just going to be a loud. And now you have Rico. Hey, Hines Rico the won't the, be. Sorry. He's in the front of the bench yeah. now, right next to Alvin. And I think, and according gonna to be Monty, a loud that's bench. something he wants him to bring to the front of the bench. Oh, he will. Is, yeah. is that. So we'll see. We'll, um, we'll see how it, I mean, and if you like last game, I was laughing because I had said more assistants were standing, you know, on their then feet. Luke was. It seemed like you even saw Gentry getting up a little, and people were laughing like, oh, because only because they're, you know, their supervisors watching. And I'm like, well, there are plenty of those assistants that were standing like I know we're getting the jokes in, but the, but like Mike and Doug have been standing. Yes. I mean, every game, almost all game, like, you know, willing these guys to. You might just not have noticed Mike was standing because he's get so it. small. So, I know. You might have, you might have but it's such a difference when they stand next to each other. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's so it, funny. It's always, always um, funny to watch yeah. that the side by side. Uh, Rico's not very big though. So I, I'm sure Mike's stoked to have him on his side of the bench. Now he's, he's no longer, he's still the shortest guy, but he doesn't look as bad. Uh, yeah, not again, not an ideal situation to come into, uh, for Gentry. Although I know I'm, we're pretty confident. He's excited to get another chance. Kings obviously having lost three straight. It's going to be interesting, but before we get to talking about the game tonight that I'm weirdly like excited to watch Jill. I mean, I didn't watch the Saturday game against the jazz. I, 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 been in the stadium on Friday to watch the uh, oh, the Raptors the cute game. Lucky you. I, I know. Actually, that's true. <laughs> I, we were we were joking, me and my brother, because we've gone to the game on Friday together that, you know, we wish we had been there for the puke game. That would have been the most exciting thing we had seen because the Raptor game was just the actually the most exciting part of the Raptor game was something that happened in between a break where some guy dove into a pool of ducks and found three basketballs, three miniature basketballs. So everyone got a free yeah. car wash. But that was. That was it was most, noted on Twitter that that was like the that's most right. excited. I think James Ham had said that, <laughs> yeah. and I was we were like on our feet, like yeah, like screaming, like that oh was. I remember those days of the, the, the a few the other team missed the two free throws. You get like the Jack in a Box free yeah, tacos. tacos, and yeah. so when you're not it's winning, everyone things. everyone wants the free tacos. You when go you're down with, by 30, with at least something winning. Yeah, yeah, you're down by thirty to the Raptors at home. Uh, but and then yeah. by the end, the ushers at the end are just handing out like handfuls of them. So yeah. hilarious. Giving you yeah. your money back. I wish, but let's, let's get to what people have been wanting to hear. Uh, that's if they're tuning in today, it's because, uh, they want to hear what you have put together or parts of it, Jill, you, you are known for being someone to do all the research. That's why I call you incomparable and all knowing because you do all the, the work and know way more about this stuff than I ever will. Uh, it's a blessing to be doing this podcast alongside you because I feel like I get smarter every time just talking with you. But now the coaching vacancy is it, it's it's here. The Kings have have questions. It's official. So you now have officially opened up your spreadsheet of names that you'd like to replace Luke Walton long term, assuming Alvin Gentry doesn't run the table and become the permanent coach. So this is part one of uh, of Jill's reveal. I don't. I, I was trying to think of some funny name to give this, but it's it's just coaches coaches that you would like to see on the sidelines for Sacramento after this year. And we're going to give them to you guys incrementally, you know, and I don't think we're going to do it every podcast. We won't, we won't waste them all that quickly, but today we are going to give you two names that Jill has circled and written down as possible candidates for the Kings. So Jill, go ahead, take it away. I'm excited. I have been waiting with anticipation. Yeah. The first two I'm going to talk about today are, um, probably no surprise to anybody, uh, Sam Cassell and Kenny Atkinson. Um, those will be the first two names off. Um, so most people know Sam Cassell, right? He had a 15 year NBA career, right. Uh, that spanned the Eastern conference and the Western conference. 
Um, he is known as the guard whisperer, but during his, um, his playing days, he was a multiple time, all-star three-time NBA champion, um, made an all NBA team, just a very, as, as any coach would say, he is an extremely high basketball IQ guy. And so after he retired from the game, he, uh, went and joined, um, his ex coach flip Saunders, um, on the wizards bench. So, so, um, yes, Sam showed it as a player and as an assistant since he joined the bench. Um, he's coached for flip and for doc, most notably doc for most of the years, um, in the league and doc calls him a, an extremely high level game strategist. So one of the things that he loves about him the most is his basketball IQ and being able to read the court the way only some of the most successful point guards in the league can. Um, he played again, I said, mentioned this, he played in the NBA for 15 years. Um, and then, uh, once he started with the wizards, he was there for four or five years, I believe, um, under flip. And, um, when his second, I believe it was his second or third year is when John wall came in to the league. So if you listen to pretty much any interview, John wall will give, he hands down credits, Sam Cassell, um, for starting off his career and essentially like the trajectory, um, that it went and, and the minutias. And so shortly after that, they had, uh, Bradley Beal, he's saying the same comments. So back to John wall in 2014, um, he, uh, that was John wall's rookie year and he helped change his jump shot from 26.7% to the following season, 35%. So this is just jump shot. This is not getting to the rim, you know, which John wall excels at. This is strictly taking a guy's jump shot and taking it from 26% to 35 in a year's worth span. That's a 10% jump. He said they changed it mechanically. Like they went through it and, um, John wall, you know, increased every year after that. But again, he credits, he credits him. So that same year, he actually helped recruit Paul Pierce to join the wizards and that helped them take the franchise to its first playoff series in nearly a decade. So again, he's impacting the players on the court, but he's also being used as a, you know, recruiter. in respect to guys he played with as a recruiter. So the Kings have drafted, right. They have De'Aaron Fox. They've drafted two more guards since Monty's taken over. Um, at least as of right now, how this roster is built, your guards are your centerpieces, right? Like they are what you're building around having a guy at the helm known as the guard whisperer. Um, sounds extremely, you know, appealing yeah. uh, to me and makes a hell of a lot of a sense. So. Um, Cassell is number that, one on the list, not on number one so, overall, but first one to come off the list, Sam Cassell. Yeah. So, so I, I'm not done. So there's, oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you were moving so, on. Um, but the other thing was, um, credit to, uh, another funny thing that doc was saying was that Bradley Beal went off against, um, the Sixers for 60 points last year. So doc blamed Cassell post game for that happening and said, had you not helped bring this guy along? Like we wouldn't have just had 60 put on us. Like what the hell dude? Um, so like you just get little funny, you know, tidbits like that. And so, um, Shay Alexander, 
gives credit to um, Cassell from his time being in LA, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, like you're seeing him do it to right now to stars, right? So once moving to the um, Sixers with Doc, once he was, you know, released, uh, he followed Doc to um, the Sixers. A lot of uh, Clippers media thought that um, Cassell might end up getting the job this last year. It ended up going, um, or two years ago, it ended up going to to Lou, but he was another guy in, in, in consideration. Um, and so once he moved to the Sixers, um, Doc essentially put him with Ben Simmons. And Simmons' assist-to-turnover ratio completely changed and went up. So, like, we know that that Simmons was already a, a pretty good player minus, you know, maybe the shot, um, or at least a three-point shot. Like, he's he's fine and was fine kind of in the mid-range. But um, one thing he specifically did change was the assist-to-turnover ratio. That's something we could use here as well. Um, and then uh, you're seeing Maxi right now have a completely breakout year. year with the Sixers. And literally all Doc keeps saying is over and over almost every game. And there's a bunch of articles on, you know, Sixers media right now is how Tyrese Maxey worked all summer with Sam Cassell. He worked last year with them and then all summer this year and uh, new versions of shots you're seeing, like where he's taking him, just his smarts on the court. Um, completely, completely changing his game. Um, another thing I thought was interesting was when, um, Austin rivers. So not a star, right. Austin rivers was traded to the Clippers. Um, he said he was kind of worried, scared. He had never played for his dad before. And, um, which I thought was kind of interesting, uh, but he had never, he never played under his dad, but I guess not surprising since his dad's probably not really coaching younger since he's, he's been coaching above, but, um, and he wasn't sure how the locker room would accept him. And so he said that unbeknownst to him, like Sam picked him up and they went right to the, to the facility and sat him down and was like, I'm going to work like we're yeah. going to work together. And so he said, they sat on the bench and he, that Sam asked him like, what do you want out of your career? Like, what do you want? What's, what's your goal? And uh, Rivers said that he was talking about, you know, his, his offense and all these kinds of things. And, um, Sam stopped and was like, no, like you got here because of your offense, right? Like we know that if you want to see any time on this court, you're going to have to play defense. Like that's the only way you Austin rivers are seeing the court. Um, so if you're willing to accept that and you want to work with me, I'll come early, I'll stay late. I will do this with you, um, but you have to let me know. And he said, don't worry about, you know, offense, X, Y, Z, whatever. Figure out this defense part. You'll get the minutes and the rest will come. Um, he said, Austin said he would not still be in the league had he not had that conversation with, with, with Sam Cassell and accepted that and literally worked with him post, pre, like everything. And you saw Austin Rivers get the minutes and it was also noted that uh, Mike Malone said um, a couple of days ago that the only reason that they looked at Austin Rivers on Denver right now was because um, Sam told Doc that he thought that Austin might fit well um, with the Nuggets and Malone respected that enough and, yeah. um, you know, front word. office, whatever, like they went to it. But I mean, he's clearly watching, you know, other other stuff. He's dealing with his own games, but it just, to me, it goes back to that. 
like there's respect out there. Right. And it's, it's countless players from whether your role players buying in to your younger stars developing to actual stars, um, buying in. And then I'll end it with, uh, to recap what, um, dogs, uh, docs quote was Sam Cassell should be a head coach period. He's got incredibly high basketball IQ. I just hope he gets a shot. When they talk about paying dues, he's paid every due that's possible and he's yet to get a job. So I'm hoping that happens. Um, and I would say this last time uh, was probably the closest he's actually come um, the last couple of years into, uh, into actually landing that. But guard whisper, Sam Cassell, um, it, it's hard for me to see any kind of negatives with him at, at, at this point. It was, like you said, an incredible basketball player for a long time. And then to, to emphasize what Doc Rivers had said, Sam Cassell is 52 years old and has been an assistant coach since 2009. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. paid his dues. It's not like he's raw or he's a little too young because the next guy you're about to mention is 54. He's the same age practically as Sam Cassell. Right. Both ex-players who just who found ways to transition into right. staying with the game. Yeah. So he he's due is is mm-hmm. is how I'm figuring this. And I years I, ago, I had, yeah. Yeah, I hadn't really thought too much about yeah. Cassell. I haven't thought too much about the coaching yeah. uh, option. No, the, there's the there's quite a few guys on my list that that fall into that that category Their time. Yeah. Um, oh, and actually, yeah. I'll wait. Well do the next one. Cause I have the odds that were posted about the next Kings coaches. Okay, cool. So I'll, I'll use that. Um, I'll mention that after you're done. Okay, cool. So Kenny, um, a lot of people probably know Kenny from, uh, the nets, you know, run, but I'll say, so he is also an ex player and he ended up playing quite a few years overseas. He played, he, um, and then transitioned from overseas and became a coach and he started with the, uh, it was the Paris, uh, Paris basket washers or basket weaver, some Paris basketball team. And then he got picked up by Mike D'Antoni to coach with the Knicks. But I thought that was totally random. I was like, who is his Paris team? But so his, his first stint in the NBA as a coach was um, under Mike D'Antoni with the Knicks. So their first two seasons were not great. Their last two seasons, they ended up making the playoffs. Um, and then he actually made the move to Atlanta um, to be under Mike B. And after one season, um, they actually took Atlanta to the playoffs. And uh, it was one more year, which they again made the playoffs. And Atlanta was like that fun team everyone was loving. Um, and then, then he was given that head coaching gig with the Brooklyn Nets. So um, I'll start off at least how the guys felt about him in Atlanta. Um, Kyle Corver said when he was a free agent that he wasn't sure about the Hawks future, but when he found out Kenny was returning, he knew that Atlanta would be in good hands. He'd be perfectly fine. Ken Bazemore gushed about Atkinson's mastery of the pick and roll and his ability to communicate with players and simply things, um, simple things, the way that great point guards can do for many teams. So again, like Sam Cassell was a point guard. They just, a lot of point guards have a way to read a court that a lot of other players don't. And one thing that Kenny, um, that Kent Bazemore said about Kenny was he could do it as a player. And then he had a way of, as a coach to, this is the same thing. Interesting enough that Washington players are saying about Wes Unseld, that they just have a way of explaining it, that they're getting things that they never got the before that it never clicked with them just based on 
how they're laying it out, how they're explaining, like whatever it is about these guys, like it, it, it clicks with players. Like it's their, how they walk through it, whatever it is. Um, they just have a great communication skills of, of somehow relaying it. Um, again, Steve Kerr raved about him and, um, not shockingly enough, he's now say. on uh, the uh, Golden State bench um, as one of his lead assistants. So, but um, going back to Brooklyn, which most people know him for based on his first head coaching gig, um, he's another coach that's touted for his player development. The first two years were rough. Not shockingly, Sean Marks had right just taken over. He'd got hired from the Spurs to take them over. They had no stars and no draft picks. And like, literally, like they had traded um, everything away. So, so yeah. So Sean and Kenny came together and was like, we have to find ways to maximize, right? What's on the court. Like this is the hand we're dealt. Um, and they improved every year. Right. And so Kenny's job was to maximize what was on the court, despite the win uh, and loss record. So this got me 25 different Nets players played over 16 minutes per game. Right. And so looking at from the outside, if you're just looking at stats, um, all but four. So 21 players actually improved in multiple stat areas um, under under Kenny's job. Um, that's pretty damn impressive. Like 25 Absolutely. non role, like complete role players. Right. Like young rookies, role players, um, 20, 21 of the guys improved in multiple areas of their stats. Uh, he even had guys like Quincy AC and Tyler Zeller hitting the three ball, which they will say that was never, ever part of their game before. And they weren't bad at it. Uh, so that was completely new to them. And then um, notable young players, again, were Dinwid at the time, Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, Karis LeVert. Um, you've all, you know, seen them Russell go on to be successful. You've seen them go to be successful. Yes. Um, and then you add... Yeah, this was prior to, to Russell um, okay. joining, but, um, and then, uh, at that time, so these were the, the young, like rookies at that time, Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, Levert, um, the vets, they had Damari Carroll ended up having a career year, went on to make a great contract after that and hasn't really done much since, but got a career year out of, out of Damari Carroll. Um, and then, uh, Joe Harris went from being in the G league, you know, second round pick from the Cavs that never got time to um becoming a legitimate role player and getting that what 70 something million dollar contract and uh brooke lopez actually says that he became a revitalized stretch center uh thanks to to kenny and he's continued on that role with the milwaukee bucks and um you know helped win when it win a championship uh russell came on um completely revamped um russell's career um then you saw them kind of make that jump, right? They, we had that horrible game against them where they came back and beat us. And that was kind of one of like Jaeger's, I think, nail in, in the coffin games at the end. Um, players loved him and they said that he completely changed the culture and the culture changed enough to attract Kyrie and Durant. Like that's, no one was talking about them, them going to the Nets. Like it wasn't, it was, are they going to go to the Knicks or, you know, are they going to, stay with the Warriors. And so, um, had, had Kenny not been able to do what he did with these, those young guys, I'm not completely sold that those guys end up, end up going there. Maybe they do, maybe they don't, but, um, I have no reason to believe 
otherwise based on at least what they've said. Um, Kevin Durant said that he was Googling him all the time, trying to find out as much as he could um, about him. And so really the only cracks that started to show during that part was when he had to mold the stars and the vets and they didn't totally agree on player rotations and things like that. Not completely shocking when you're kind of a player development coach, then all of a sudden two superstars are thrown in. And what got me was, but some of those rotation things, it, to me, he was right. He was, he was playing Jared Allen, all those minutes and the vets were getting mad. And DeAndre DeAndre Jordan Jordan was, yep. um, That's not why, you know, I signed here. And, and the big guys were like, that's not why he signed here, you know, and look what's happened, right? They trade Jared Allen. He goes and gets paid the big money from Cleveland. He's excelling. DeAndre Jordan is now um, on the, like was not long for the nets and then is now on the Lakers. So um, like to me, that's, you know, and he ended up resigning, you know, they all felt like it's, he had taken them as far as he could take them and they, and they separated, but, um, he is a guy again, from New York to Atlanta to, um, to New Jersey with stars, without stars, he gets the most out of every single player. Um, the, the Atlanta guys, when he finally got that, the, the Nets job, my guy, man, my guy get, is getting his shot. Like they were so excited for him that because of how much he changed their game, they got him, he got him wins. He got him paid like that. They saw the fruits of it and that they said that he's out there. And, uh, what was it? Um, he's out there with no shoes on, um, first person in the gym, like doing pushups out there with them. Um, and just like he has fun with them, but he gets the production uh, out of those guys. And so, but you saw it in the wins, but then you saw it when he took over in, in the scheming, like he found ways to put guys in good positions. So um, a lot of people are surprised he hasn't been picked up anywhere else. I yeah. was surprised too, um, but also not totally surprised depending on organizations and what their kind of goal is. Like if you're looking a guy to necessarily, um, take you to the next step. I, I don't, I don't, we've only seen one scenario of that. And it was like very specific to, to where he was actually right. And, and at least from what I'm reading, you know I mean? In those fights of, of rotation. So, um, I know again, Steve Kerr is a huge advocate and as long, along with a lot of the other, um, players and coaches in the league. So yeah, there's a certain, some coaches, and this is why Atkinson, I think, is a perfect fit for the Kings. Some coaches are not meant to be the coaches of super teams. That takes a specific skill set and a different type of person. And there's very right, and there's only so many teams in the league right now that are super teams. The rest of them are right. trying to. And they all have very particular yep. type of guys running their yep. teams. Steve Nash, Tyron Lue, Steve Kerr. Right. It's particular. Kenny Atkinson would be, I think, very much like Dave Yeager and how he develops a lot of talent is a very, very smart guy seems to have obviously much more personal skills and communication skills than the guys that all like him, which is a quality of Jaegers. That was ultimately his biggest demise. So yeah, it's not surprising Jill that he's on the list. A team with no draft picks and who people said would never turn around to to a playoffs before the Kings ever did. (laughs) Like, I mean, it was preach it. And they were fun. (laughs) I remember watching that playoffs. I was really rooting for him there. I was really, really, I forgot who they lost to. I think they got, I think it was the first swept. round. Yeah. 
Um, Pro- I mean, probably, but, but, they were fun but to watch. it's, yeah, but it's a guy who oh, the Celtics, in, three, in three different areas has showed to be able to take mm-hmm. um, just Anyone basic that- guys and put them in great that's great positions to succeed. Yeah. That's a real coach. So Kenny Atkinson is so. the highest odds of the, the list that was released, I believe, today. Kenny Atkinson is a four to one odds to be the new Sacramento Kings head coach. I'm not going to say. I would not be upset oh, at all. No, neither would I. I'm not going <laughs> to really say the other ones um, because I think you're going to touch on these coaches later on. Alva Gentry is seven to one odds. That puts him at fourth best. And then Sam Cassell is actually tied for the last in terms of odds with Steve Clifford, former magic coach, then yeah. Charles Lee, who's an assistant, I believe with, um, is he a Milwaukee assistant? I don't know where Charles Lee is actually. That's a name I've heard once or twice, but I'm not too familiar with. Bobby Jackson's also on this list. I'll, I'll go ahead and say his, uh, 12 to one odds. Cause I actually don't think yeah, you're up. right. Is he Charles Lee an assistant with mm-hmm. Holzler? Yeah. Um, but Atkinson is in, it's been known for a little bit now for whatever reason that if there were a change at Atkinson would be realistically a popular name. I mean, and, and laying and out all be. that, like he fits it perfectly. Oh, it's he exactly, does. Exactly. I mean, those are two incredible candidates. Both of those guys, Sam Cassell and Kenny Atkinson, Sam Cassell still waiting on his first chance. Kenny Atkinson waiting for that second chance where ideally he gets to run the team the way he wants, which when, when there's a, when there's a divorce or a, a split yeah. between coach and management coach and team, on those type of grounds, Jill, I don't know about you. I always tend to lean a little bit more to the coach where I feel a little sympathy. I'm like, well, you're the coach. Obviously you'd want to coach them the way you want. You know, you don't want to be meddled in with management or the whatever you want to do your own thing. And if that ends up being the reason you leave, all right. I don't think that says anything poor about you. I think it means you're confident what you're doing. And Jared Allen is a superstar player who the nets were stupid to think that he shouldn't be playing ahead of Deandre. Yeah. And, and there's a, and, and only, you know, so many coaches actually are willing to change systems based on mm-hmm. what players can handle and not handle too. I mean, that's, that takes a particular skill set as well to be able to adapt and adjust, right? Like yeah. to a, a roster that doesn't necessarily fit maybe what die. you're used to, um, to teaching. Yeah. So you, uh, so, so. today we, we, we've shared, Jill has shared, not we, um, Jill shared Sam Cassell and Kenny Atkinson. How many names actually are on that list? If could you share that that you have written down? For oh, the... there's. I mean, there's a bunch. Like, okay. there's. I think there's a lot, a lot of. Yeah, and that's why I was saying Good like start. too is is I'm kind of kind of do this similar to how we did the front office one, mm-hmm. and just because if right now these guys fit our roster, right? Who knows? Come trade deadline, yep. something changes. Maybe they don't. Like we want to leave it open to where there's a lot of guys out there that there might end up being somebody else that ends up fitting a new roster style, like depending on what we do, like we just don't know. Right. Um, and so there are so many guys out there that are on bench. Same, same thing way I did the front office. Like there's so many guys out there that are untapped um, that are waiting for that chance again or waiting for their first chance. And so, um, I mean, I kind of share who I like, but I still want people to kind of be able to take, you know, it what does. they're hearing and then uh, apply it to, you know, yeah. their own, um, you know, and then also while respecting the current, you know, team and, and who's, you know, and Gentry has good odds. Who's, who's, who's going on there. So, yeah. Uh, it does amaze me in the NBA. It seems like there's a, there's less of a inclination in the national basketball association to kind of roll the dice on coaches. It, it always seems yeah. to be, you lean to the more experienced guy, the doc rivers, the Mike D'Antoni, the Budenholzer, guys that have done their, been there, done that, 
Whereas in football and in baseball, you welcome the young kid, the upstart analytic guru who's 37 years old. You don't have any 37 year old head coach in the NBA. And the last guy, the youngest head coach previously was Flip Saunders kid, Ryan Saunders. And he is no longer obviously in Minnesota and it didn't go very well. And that's why that was one of the things where I think if people listen to the, the different podcasts I did last year um, was, was why I liked Wes so much. Um, He was, he was that new voice, um, but similar to, to doc and Cassell that like, he was one where he's put in the work and has just been waiting for that opportunity, but he had shown with multiple organizations on offense and defense that he could handle it and, and turn things around based on rosters and situations. And I mean, look what he's doing with Washington right now. Like, I mean, I don't know how it's going to play out, but you're seeing exactly like we're seeing from him what we saw in previous, you know, um, uh, his previous stints of, of through, you know, assistant and, you know, and talent helps. Yeah. They added talent around, um, good talent that fit around Beal, uh, at this point and, and did what he's playing really well. Um, but you still need a a guy to put you in good situations as well. And, um, like I said, all, all they're saying is how, um, they feel like he's explaining the game in a way they're able to understand. And I just, I want that here. (laughs) Uh, And I I think that's why Kenny fits too, as well. Like we saw that on here where um, multiple players, multiple of the Hawks guys were saying like, he just explains the game in a way that we were all able to understand it. And it worked. I might be actually, and I think about it, I might've just contradicted myself. Let's talk about the willingness, unwillingness of NBA teams to hire young people. Um, and thinking about it, Luke Walton was actually one of the youngest coaches in the NBA. He was 41. He is 41. Jamal Mosley, new head coach of the Magic, is 43. I think, based on my little research I just did, he is now the youngest in the NBA. Wes Unseld's 46. But um, I could be wrong. I think I'm actually missing one. Uh, I'm looking at the teams now. How old's oh, the um, yeah, um, Thunder coach. OKC? Yeah, yeah. The Thunder coach, is. he's got to be the youngest. He looks like he's 12. He just has uh, the baby face. Yes. Mark Dignall is the youngest. He's 36. That's okay. for sure the youngest NBA coach. But Mo- Mosley's young. Unseld is young. Luke Walton is young. Uh, Bickerstaff in Cleveland's young. Barango in Charlotte, I think, is pretty young. Um, but yeah, it just the teams that have had the most success, they, they seem to have that that seasoned guy or someone that has experience pre- previous um, that's helped him. So it'll be interesting. And, and this, and this, like, we've seen it all, right? Like, I mean, we've had 18, you know, coaches. Oh, yeah. We've seen the in whole. Our tiers. Like, we've seen young, we've seen old, we've seen, like, I mean, so it's, Muscleman yeah. was very young when he got hired in, um, in, after Adam. Yeah. I think he was in his mid-30s. Very good coach yeah. at Arkansas now, Eric Muscle. And he actually said that was such a good, I mean, learning good, experience. bad learning experience yeah. for him, but helped him to be like what he is now. Sometimes your best um, learning experiences are your worst. It's your worst. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Uh, and a lot saw, of time, unfortunately that happens here. <laughs> yeah. That's everyone. Mike Malone. Um, someone tweeted out like when the, someone, obviously the list of head coaches since 2006 was released um, for people that haven't been paying as much attention to the Kings. So people could see how many people have come through the building. And some guy tweeted, said, mathematically speaking, the odds are one of these guys is going to get a second chance with the Kings. Like we're reaching that point where <laughs> he's joking, of course, but like, You've gone through so many options that I feel like the odds are pretty, pretty good now that one of these guys is going to come back, which is not going to happen. No one would want that, um, except if it was Mike Malone. Uh, but I, I did say with you, Jill, it's time. Maybe we just got to go back to an Adelman. Maybe it's got to be David Adelman that brings the Kings. What a story that would be. 
if the guy that brings the Kings back to, to relevancy is their greatest coach in history, son, who's currently so a trendy head coach. He'll be talked about. Yeah. yeah okay. He'll be cool. talked about. I didn't want to, I don't know if I was going to, you know, tease that yep. appropriately, no, but yeah, no, he'll, he'll, Pettis, he'll be one that we talk about. Yeah. Latest and that's, in Denver, I, I, I think I, I don't know if I said it on the pod last week or if, if it was one of our offline ones, but um, Malone, like the two biggest guys that he's been, you know, screaming to get opportunities um, unselled. were unselled on Adelman. So yeah. I, again, yeah. And, not and they're two guys that put in the work, right. Grew up around the game from their dads. Um, and and, well, and one work. of the, uh, yeah. uh, for the Kings diehards out there, Pete Youngman, longtime trainer who is very active on Kings Twitter and media. When I tweeted that out to you in response, Jill saying that I think it's David Adelman's time now. I think he's the only choice. Uh, he liked that tweet. It made me laugh because I'm like, hey, Pete agrees with me here. And he obviously worked with Rick <laughs> Adelman. I, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to I'm going to put some faith in that even more than I already had. So a lot of a lot of NBA left, though. Gentry's going to get a good chance to show what he has in this 65 games that he'll have to audition, mm-hmm. essentially. And uh, tonight now shifting gears and how we're going to wrap up today's episode. Uh, you got to play the Sixers, the nine and eight. Philadelphia 76ers who have not been playing very well, which is not a surprise because Joy Allen beat is hurt. Danny green is hurt. And then we don't even need to mention Ben Simmons, obviously not being on the team. They're four and six in their last 10. They lost their last game um, the other night. So the Kings actually kind of are, I mean, I'm sure the Sixers are looking at it thinking we're catching the Kings as at a really good time. Kings can kind of argue the same thing. We're catching the Sixers who are a good team in the East. (laughs) At a pretty good time as well. Yeah. Uh, not the worst. Between injuries game. and COVID. Yeah. Injuries and COVID and then struggles. And then obviously they get to play them at home, which I don't think means much for the Kings right now. But I, I we've asked a lot about like, what are the keys going into the games? I don't even know if I want to ask that so much as I want to ask you, Jill, what do you want to see from Gentry in game one? Do you want to see a specific lineup given some more run? Do you want to see rotations more locked in? Or what, I would say would it's that not even be? necessarily about Gentry. It's, I just want to see that the, the players, the players like are still like responding. Yeah. That they still give shit. Like I'm saying, like, we know how, like what I said before, we know how they handled um, trades that last year and the locker room quotes were horrible. Like you could see it all in them that they were completely deflated. Like they had lost the, I want to see them looking like they think they can turn it around. Right. Like that they give a damn and the season is not lost. Um, because what are we doing here at this point? If mm-hmm. you want to keep saying the blame is on you, show they me. Love to, they love to say that. Show me. <laughs> it, it's getting annoying, is it not? That that's you know, don't blame the coach. Okay, fine, I won't. I mean, I, mean, I don't I like appreciate the coach. that they're finally taking blame the last two years, but it's like I'm also sick of hearing the same excuses exactly. and nothing happened. Rinse so that's my thing. That it's like either make some changes if nothing's ever gonna, you know, if it's shown itself, it's going to fix itself. And hopefully we, you know, maybe we'll see that in a couple of weeks when, when things, you know, start opening up again, um, when it comes to trades, but you, you are your current team right now. Like this is what you have. So yeah. you gotta, you gotta Hope's figure not it coming out just yet. Um, yeah. And even if you have to go back to the basics, like to what was working, like sometimes it it helps when you get more simple and McNair yesterday's press conference talking about uh, letting go of Walton said that I think we can be the fastest team in the league. Alvin Gentry had the fastest team in terms of pace in the league when he was coaching new Orleans. 
and that's my biggest expectation is for them to come out and run a lot more. And you touched on it saying it'll look a lot like Jaegers last year. That sounds like what Monty McNair is wanting Gentry to do. And it seems like that's obviously how this roster is best built is to run and, and, and be faster and outwork the other teams. Yeah. I they have I a million guards. Cur- yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious to see, like, will we see, you know, Terrence Davis had it so. look good. And then he kind of looked good for a game and then was kind of like, eh, um, we saw, you know, Mo for a while. And then we didn't see Mo. We saw Len for a while. Then we didn't see Len. Like, I just want there to be like a rotation roles, right? Like not, yeah. Oh, you're five games in you're five games out. Like, yeah, I no, mean, I, I that's think not that- working. I'm going to, if I'm going to make a prediction for tonight, I'm going to say that the lineup, the starting lineup will be different. And Matt George said it this morning uh, on Twitter. I think it's going to be Fox, Halliburton, Heald, Barnes at the four, Holmes. He's going to put out a lineup that's going to run, pace, shoot the D'Antoni system and Gentry system, run and gun, shoot a lot of threes, keep your space. And then you're going to see Davis coming off the bench early. You're going to see Bagley coming off the bench ahead of someone like a Harkless because Bagley has a lot more offensive you know, value and can run at a really good pace. It's, I think, Jemias Ramsey, who fits that mold, might even get a couple more minutes uh, than in prior with Walton at the helm, although that's that's shooting a little bit more in the dark. I'm a fan of Ramsey. I just, like, I wish they would give him a little bit more of a chance. But I, I 100% expect yeah. Gentry to come right out of the gate. Well, I will say Ramsey's back in the, with the G League Oh, right he is. Now. You're right. He's getting You're his right. run there. Because yeah. they have a game tomorrow, I think. They have like yeah. these weird stretches where they have like a couple games together and then, and then nothing. Yeah. But I did see that they literally all of them are back. Woodard too, because um, he played a little bit. League. My um, bad then, I revoked so, that statement. Yeah. But but no, I mean, it could happen. I'm just saying like, just so you know that like right now, because I had mm-hmm. specifically asked because I hadn't heard if they were all back or not right. um, since we are at home. And uh, Jason Anderson said they were all back on uh, designation for tomorrow's game. So Okay. Well, still, nonetheless, I, I do think. But we're that see, style, 100%. Yeah. And yes. that should excite fans, honestly. If you want a reason to get a little bit excited, the last time the Kings played high-level basketball, they played that style of basketball. It changed when Walton came in and Vlade gave him the instruction to work more on half-court offense and playing defense, and everything was slowed down. They thought they were ready to make that stem. This yeah. team showed that, that. They're not. They might. That's not how they play. But it, that's not how they're going to get there. Mm-hmm. And that's right. not how McNair yeah. believes in playing. At least that's from so, what we know about him. That's not how he believes. says if what we he take says. what he says. <laughs> now we've all lost a little bit more trust in uh, McNair, some more than others, but we don't really know anymore. But it, it, it will be a different style. I think it'll the Kings will try and put up a lot of points. Um, probably. I mean, they can. We know they can if they're if they're playing to their level. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see this first go at it with Gentry and Hines on the bench. I know there's going to be a lot of eyes tuned in maybe not a lot of people in golden one though that's becoming a, th- a theme that is yeah. discouraging uh and i again do not blame any any person yeah. for not wanting to go to golden one i had a horrible experience there on friday watching them get their ass can- kicked ass handed to them now one fan yeah, literally and got nauseous sad. and threw up we didn't even yeah. didn't really talk about that today but um, yeah, that, that yeah. is next level that is so it's out of sandlot <laughs> yeah i mean there to- <laughs> And then he, the way he reacted, that he looked around, like he was like, he didn't really know what to do, which I get it. What do you do? And that's never happened but that we know so, of. But it was so, like, no one's thrown everything up on is the court. so Kings, and it was literally where it was like your last game of mm. 
and you've lost seven of eight and a guy just puked. Like it's so kings, right? So kings. You can't make this stuff up. You cannot. No (laughs) other team would have that happen to him. It is the team with the longest NBA postseason drought. Uh, The guy courtside. And all the responses from national, you know, fans are, I'm surprised more people haven't thrown up watching the Kings over the years. Like, I, I mean, I agree with the guy I'll and I can't even be mad because yeah, it's I'm not, true. I like, feel bad for Slamson having to clean it up and the employees of golden one who don't deserve <laughs> to be yeah. cleaned up, throw up. Do I blame that guy? I know. I was like, give them product? a raise. I know. Oh, yeah, truthfully. I know they can't, but like they should, <laughs> yeah. because that's messed up. <laughs> or Vivek should have come across the court and clean it up himself, putting that product on the floor. Give him a tip. Give him something. Yeah, exactly. Well, that'll do it for us on this Monday show. Uh, I'm excited to, and I know people that'll, that listen to us are going to be excited to listen to more about these coaching candidates as Joe rolls them out. And as we now uh, usher in another, another quote, new era of Kings basketball under the, the, the great Alvin Gentry optimism guys, keep it, keep it up as much as we can. I, I, uh, I know we're losing it fast, but the other one I was, I forgot to say about Sam that just popped in my head too, was, uh, I want to make sure I say this is um, about Sam when Cristel. he went to the Clippers, uh, Chris Paul was so excited that he got there. And he, he said that he was such a big part of um, why he plays the game. He currently plays it. So just, you know, when yep. I say guard whisper, it's literally you, any team that he's on, like whether he played or um, coach, like every guard gets, and I feel like gets we're better, still to... smarter, excels, like good we're decisions. trying to find that, uh, that coach that connect with De'Aaron Fox. It seems like that's still a storyline. No one's really got. And, that, really... and that's kind of my thing. Like if you're going to build around, if that's your guy. That's true. Then, yeah. Um, you that's, know, that's a topic but, for another you know, time. There's, there's plenty of, plenty of options, but yeah. Yep. But Gentry gets his, his first go tonight. Uh, and then the Kings will play one more game at home at golden one against another nine and eight team. The, the Blazers who are kind of slowly figuring themselves out under Billups. And then they go on the road for two games, Grizzlies and Lakers. So they play a lot of, mid teams uh, a lot of literally nine and eight nine and eight nine and nine eight and eight i think are the records of their next four opponents so it's not a tor- terrible stretch but then again they went you know one and three on a road trip against the worst teams in the nba so you never know what to expect with this team julie really don't thanks guys for listening let's get a win tonight i mean maybe i don't know please <laughs> later dudes